Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Man, what a what a great worship set. And so I was thinking about that, what God has done in my life, and just the words to oh, but God in my heart just stirs right with a with a with a with a, with a passion that we might and that I might express the very words of that song that, yes, I will, with everything that is in me, praise his name. And this morning, I'm going to open up a pretty challenging piece of scripture, one that I believe is core in the New Testament to really our theology and what it looks like in union with Christ and what God expects of us as followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, I want to, I know we just sat down, but I want to, I want to read two verses in first Corinthians chapter number six. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's word to turn there and staying with me as we uh, just read these two verses and we're going to jump in and, and get to work this morning. So if you'll stand with me this morning in honor and reverence of God's infallible, inerrant, inspired and, and life-changing word. Uh, this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse 19 and 20. The scripture says this, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? Listen to these words, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Father, we are grateful for your word. God, we're grateful for this passage of scripture. God, for the way that has challenged my heart this week, God, and I pray, Father, that you would do a work in us, Lord, that you would help us to see, Lord, that we are yours, Lord, and that we might surrender everything, God, that we might leave this place, Lord, in a reflection of your grace on the cross and of your mercy, and in light of that, Lord, that all that we have and all that we are would be yours, Lord. I pray that you would change our perspectives this morning if they are wrong. God, I pray that you would help us to align with your word, God, and that our bodies might be used for your glory. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Maybe seated. Uh, This week... Uh, I had the blessing of hanging out with my daughter a little bit. She was uh, preparing to give a speech at school uh, on the topic of abortion. And she was, to take a, uh, she was taking a pro-life stance uh, about uh, this, uh, this topic. And we understand, and, and the message this morning is not uh, about abortion, but we understand as followers of Jesus Christ that the scripture would teach us that from the womb to the tomb, that life is sacred, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that we are not only uh, to engage uh, and protect and encourage and, and seek uh, the best for the unborn, but we're also to love uh, those ladies that are walking through those things and are considering uh, those kind of things and those that have had abortions. And we, we said, you know what, there's this reality that we are uh, to engage in this mission with love and, and with the love of the gospel. And as we were talking about that topic, one of the, the main things that are in our culture and one of the things that I believe is one of the most dangerous thought patterns that are in our society and that our kids are being exposed to in such a tremendous way is this thought that says, my body, my choice, my choice right? That's what we say. That's what our culture 
says, and we're thinking about that, what that means is, is that we're saying, hey, we are made up a certain way. We are, uh, we have these desires that are in us. We have these certain desires, these certain things. And the rule of our culture says that whatever pleases us most, it's a form of hedonism, right? It says, whatever pleases us most, that's what we're to do. Whatever it is that causes the the most amount of pleasure and the least amount of pain. and, And we have those kind of things, right? And many of the major issues that we deal with in our culture involve the body. Many of the major issues that we are facing, they deal with our appetites. They deal with those kind of things. And what we see in the culture that we live in is the appetites of people are driving the morality of our culture. And we're making our own rules. We're making our own things apart from the word of God. And the perspective in our culture says we have a body and what we do with our body is nobody's business. What we do with them is our business. It's because it's our body. But what if that is absolutely untrue and a lie from the very pit of hell? What if that is absolutely untrue? What if our bodies do not belong to us? My hope is that there might be a shift in our minds, right? And then in light of the glory of God, and this is going to be a heavy message today, and this is going to be heavy because of the glory of God, right? That's what the glory of God is. It's heavy in our midst, right? And the right question maybe is not, how can I please my body? Because that's what our culture is saying. But the right question is, how can I please God with my body? Or maybe even a a better question would be to realize that it's not my body, at all that it is. You know, I was searching for the will of God and I was in a place in my life that I was wrestling with whether God was calling me to preach the gospel or not. And I was talking with a young man and I said, you know, listen, I'm trying to find God's will for my life. And he said these words. He said, first of all, he said, I want you to understand something. Uh, God's will is not lost. And then he said, and by the way, it's not your life. And when he said those things, they penetrated me into the very core of my being, right? And I'm, I'm reminded of that this morning. And I want to preach a message to you today called His Body, Our Choice. His Body, Our Choice. And what God does in this collective body of believers that have assembled for the glory of His name, what He does will be a reflection of what He is doing individually in our bodies. And when we read 1 Corinthians 6, when we read the body, it is singular. And He's talking about us as individuals in many parts of that. And I want to give you this kind of target statement for today. And, and, and this is going to sum up really the whole of the message. I want to give you this thing that is going to guide our time together. It's going to be all of our points kind of summed into one. And you can put that on the screen. It says this Our, body, our bodies are a holy place to be used for his purposes in response to the high price that was paid for our redemption. That's where we're going this morning. What we find in 1 Corinthians 6 is that this this church at Corinth, they were in a a crazy time, right? And and these believers, they were making excuses for how they were engaging in sin. And they they, they didn't realize the impact of their sin on one another and and on the community and and on Christ as they were in union with Christ. And they were discounting lightly those kind of things. They were misunderstanding the freedoms that we have in Christ. And they would say things like this, all things are lawful to me. Look at verse 12, 1 Corinthians 6. We see this, Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by any. Warren Wiersbe says it this way in his commentary. He said, the Corinthians had arguments to defend their sensuality. 
First, all things are lawful to me. Now, this was a, a popular view in Corinth based on a false view uh, of the Christian freedom. You remember in, in Galatians 5.1, we saw just a few weeks ago that it was for freedom that Christ had set us free, but not to yoke us again into a, another yoke of bondage. And what they were doing is they were yoking themselves in uh, to another yoke of bondage. They were not walking in the freedom that they had been given in Christ, right? They had, had misinterpreted that. And so Paul says, listen, as Christians, we've got to ask uh, some some really interesting questions like, will this enslave me? Is this really profitable in the midst of that? When it comes to the choices that we make, we have to ask those questions. And here's the truth that we would see in the overarching piece of scripture is that believers who are filled with the spirit of God cannot be controlled by anything else. This is a reality when the spirit of God is controlling all of us. We are not mastered by anything. And so I ask you this morning, what is it that controls you? What is it that controls your body? What is it that, that is feeding? What is it? What desire is there? Well, what kind of things control you? Is it the Holy Spirit, right? Because we can't be mastered by something when we are mastered by someone. Look at verse 13. They would say this, right? Food is for the stomach and the stomach for food. But Paul says, hey, God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord is for the body. And so they're taking this approach that says, I have these desires, I have these needs, and I will fulfill them. It's my body, it's my desires, it's my way. And here's what we know. God has given us these desires, right? God has given us uh, healthy things, and God has created us. The scripture says that we've been created in Ecclesiastes with eternity in our heart. And you may have heard that, that we are created, that we have a, a void in our life that can only be filled with the presence of God in our life and with his glory radiating through us. And what's happening in our culture is that we are taking uh, this need that we have and this desire, and we are trying to fulfill it in all of these, in these crazy things, right? The body is not for immorality, right? The body is for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. So the first thing I want you to see this morning is, is the body is for the Lord. And because the Holy Spirit dwells within us, I want you to understand that our body is a holy place, now, we think of it as something very insignificant, but what I want you to understand is that our body is a holy place. And in the Old Testament, when we think about the glory of God and when we think about the manifest presence of God, there's a Hebrew word called kavod. And this word, it's this picture, kavod, kavod, this, this picture of the weightiness of God. In the Hebrew, it's, it's a picture of the glory and of the splendor and of the majesty of God. And what we would see is when God's presence, when we would see his presence in the tabernacle and in the temple, and, and when the glory cloud would descend and we would see the glory of God. It was his kavod. It was his presence that was there in, in, in worship, right? It, we, we, it's the core of that as we worship and glorify God. It is the manifest presence of God. And here we are, right, called to be holy, to be a place where God's glory dwells and is seen and is visible to others. See, God has made us to find satisfaction in Christ alone. And we try. And notice very key word there. We try to find satisfaction in other things. We've been made to find our satisfaction in Christ and our joy in God's presence and in his purpose in our life. But the sin nature, this flesh that we have, we have this propensity to try to satisfy it in all the wrong things. And what we know 
is that it never fulfills, right? I, I know there are so many times in my life where I've tried to find satisfaction in the things of this world. And there are temporary pleasures and there are temporary moments of satisfaction, but they were never fulfilled. They always leave us coming up empty and hungry for more. And they will consume us. Now, these people at Corinth, they were in a tough place, right? This was a crazy time, right? In the very city, uh, in the very center of the city, there was a temple, right? That was a place of worship for Aphrodite. This, this, uh, this goddess of love is what they would call it. And in this place, there were more than a thousand prostitutes that were part of the worship to this false god. And what's crazy is this was going on in their culture, but what's crazy is the church was participating. Some of the church was participating in those kind of things, right? And I want to remind you that we are being raised in a culture that is crazy. And all around us, right, there's a, a battle, right, for the hearts and minds of our young people. Did you know that the average age of exposure to pornography is 11 years old? There's this reality that there is a battle that is raging all around us, right? There, there's a tough place that we are living in. And, and we have a problem, right? The family is under attack. The very foundation of, 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 of the way God works in the midst of our culture is under attack. And, and we're seeing people fall. We're seeing so many things. And the attack on the outside is great. But I want you to understand this morning, it's the battle on the inside that we must win. There are things coming from all around, but we must win this battle on the inside, right? I, I've heard of people who have had cancer for years and years and did not know it. And all of a sudden, they didn't recognize it. But in those moments when they recognized it, it was too late and it had consumed so much of their body. And we've got to understand as a holy place that we've got to guard those things that are going in our lives. We've got to guard. God has given us gates, right? Our ears and our mouth, the, the things that we have. We've got to guard those things that are coming in because here's this reality. There can be a sickness that has been going on within us where we look healthy on the outside and people look at us and they look at our families and they look at all these things, but on the inside that there's this raging addiction to sensuality and this thing that's being fed by all of these desires and all of these things in our culture. And we know that, that James would tell us in James chapter one, he would give us kind of this picture of the anatomy of sin beginning in verse 13. And he would say, hey, just as a reminder, God tempts no one. When you're tempted to sin, that's not coming from God. But he says, every one of us is drawn away, right? When we, when we are overtaken by our own lusts and our own desires. And then when we feed those things, that's why Paul said, take every thought captive, right? That we would recognize those things that are coming and bombarding into our lives, that we would recognize those things. We've got a responsibility in those places that we would guard our hearts, that we would do those kind of things, right? Because here's what happens when we experience those things. The scripture says when lust is conceived, right? That it brings forth, it gives birth, the scripture says, to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. And we know, I know in my own life that when those kind of things when I'm going the wrong direction, there, the fallout from those things are great. And we see around our culture when those things happen, when immorality is happening in families, and when we are filling our body, our choice, we're doing what we want to do, we're filling those things. When sin is birthed in that, it leads to destruction. But here's what we see in this passage. The body is for the Lord and the Lord for the body, right? And our bodies, they're not only, right, a, a holy place but they are to be used for his purposes. Our bodies are a holy place to be used for his 
purposes. Instead of our bodies being filled with sin, they're to be filled with him. And, and he has given us all these gifts. He's created intimacy to be a wonderful experience that we uh, can enjoy, a treasure in our lives. And he's given us these cravings that are fulfilled in him. And then out of an overflow of being satisfied in him, he's given us all these gifts that are, are for uh, our good. And, and we get to experience those things. But when they are twisted, what a mess it is, right? Look at verse 14. Not only has God, not only... Excuse me. Now, God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. So he reminds us that these bodies are going to be with us. He's going to resurrect these bodies one day. And he says in verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? We're united with Christ. And then he says, shall I take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, the two shall become one flesh, right? And so there's, he says, listen, there's more at stake than what you're understanding when you were, when you were engaging in sexual sin. There's more at stake than you could ever imagine that, that is affecting, uh, you are in union with Christ, this holy place, and you are taking him into those kind of things. It is a holy place for his purposes. Look at verse 17. He says, but he who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. And then we read in verse 18, and when we read these two words at the beginning, he says, flee immorality, right? And, and the way that this is worded, it is this continual exercise of this. It is a day by day that we are recognizing, right? And he says, listen, there's some things that you stand and fight, but when it comes to immorality, you are not strong enough in your own power and only as you walk in the spirit of God. And he says, listen, when, when you are tempted and when those things are there, he says, flee immorality. And, and he could have chosen all kinds of words to use in this passage, but he uses a word in the Greek, porneia, and it's a word that we get our word pornography from. It is a word that in encapsulates all sexual sin outside of marriage. He could have said a word for adultery. He could have said a word for a lot of things. But what he wanted us to understand is when it comes to immorality, that we are not strong enough, right? The scripture tells me about a man named David who the scripture says was after God's own heart. He was a man uh, that, 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 that we would think, right? This king, right? All of these things. But we see that he commits adultery and murder. And what we realize is that none of us are above falling into temptation. None of us are above falling into sin. And so what we understand is that God has called us, and Paul has given us this instruction that we're to run. And it is that same kind of picture that we saw with Joseph uh, and Potiphar's wife, right? When she was coming after him, he said, you can have my cloak, right? He says, I'm getting out of here. He said, you can have my coat. But he said, you're not going to get my character. You're not going to get those kind of things. And I'm going to run. And every day I'm going to run. And when you open up my phone, you're going to find accountability software on my phone. You're going to find it on my computer. You're going to find it on devices that are around because I want to protect the gift that God has given me. And so my my wife every day gets an update of all the things that I've looked at, of the amount of time that I've spent on Facebook and Instagram, because the understanding is this, right? That, that we are to flee sexual immorality, right? That we are to do that. And the scripture says every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. And he says, listen, you've got to run in those moments. And then verse 19, he said, do you not know He's like, are you kidding me? You guys are, are, are engaging in this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? Now, now, if we came in this morning and somebody had defiled and messed up the inside of this church or had defiled the outside of this church, we would be up in arms about that. And I want to remind you that this is a building that we gather in. This is not the place where God dwells, right? But he says this, he says, you need to understand something. He says, you as followers of Jesus Christ, if you've been born again into the family, 
family of God. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And it is to be holy because he is holy. And he says, this is where we're at. And here we are. We, we, we allow these things to come into our lives. We allow those things. And we don't discount for anything. We, we have gotten into this lie of our culture, right, that it doesn't matter, that there's a separation, right? We want to say, hey, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but here's what it's going to look like, God. I'm going to stick you over in this compartment of my life, and I'm going to watch what I want to watch, and I'm going to listen to what I want to listen to, and I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to, I'm going to sleep around. I'm going to do these things because here's the deal. It's my body, and I'll do what I want to with it, but the Scripture says, listen, there's a different perspective. He said, you are not your own, and it would do us all good to remember that we are not our own. It would do us all good to remember that if you're in a marriage relationship, your spouse, right? I like to say she's my wife, right? And I love her and she's mine and I'm hers. But there's also a recognition that she is his. And one day, Ephesians 5 says that, that, that my role as a, as, a, as a husband to her is to live my life in such a way that one day I will stand before God with my bride and that she, if I've lived my life and have poured my life out the way the scripture would intend, that one day I'll stand before God and she will look more like Jesus because she's been married to me than if she was not. That there would be a washing of water by the word of God. That there would be that kind of work that's taking place in her life. She has been given to me as a blessing in these moments, but she belongs to him. You know, I've heard uh, teenagers sometimes, uh, you, you know, I hear them talking about their dating relationships, and I hear people sometimes talking about a pornography addiction or talking about different things that they're dealing with in their life, really any kind of addiction. And there's this lie uh, that we like to tell ourselves, and we like to say, you know what, I can't help it. I can't stop myself. I can't control myself. I can't do any of those things. I want to remind you in, in, in verse 20, he says, you've been bought with a price and we're to glorify God in our bodies. And, and that word for bought, it, it gives us this picture of being uh, something that was being purchased or redeemed in the marketplace. Uh, our bodies, right? They're not our own. They're a holy place. They're to be used for his purposes in response to this high price. And so what we know is, is that God has paid the ultimate price. Like we go to yard sales and we're trying to get stuff cheap. I want you to understand the greatest price that could ever have been paid was paid because the debt that we owed was greater than anything we could pay. And it took the very sinless, spotless lamb of God to be offered up in our place to pay that sin debt, to, to appease the very wrath of God, our propitiation, right? We, we, uh, we see th this beautiful picture of what took place on the cross. Next week, we're going to share in communion, right? And we read in Ephesians 1, we, we read that we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And so because of that, as followers of Jesus Christ, it is my hope that we would not buy into the things of this world, that we would say, you know what, I'll, I'm not going to live however I please because I've been purchased, right? And the cost was so high. See, we, we recognize that, that because of that, we are to glorify God in our bodies. And so teenagers that are saying those things, people that are using that excuse and saying, I can't control it. God's given me this desire. I have to fulfill it. I have to walk in that. Teenagers that say, listen, uh, I can't control myself when I'm with my girlfriend. I can't, I've heard guys say that. Listen, and, and I believe we should put some boundaries up and you don't have any business going and parking on the side of the road somewhere, right? Because we're going to protect the gift. We're going to flee sexual immorality. We're going to do those things. But I want to tell you something greater in all that is that when we recognize the glory of God, and here's what happens, right? When we say, I can't help it. I've heard teenagers say, hey, I can't help it when I get in that kind of thing. I can't help it. I can't control myself. And my answer to them is let her daddy walk in. See if you can control yourself. 
I'll control you. I'll control you. I want you to understand. And, and here's the thing, right? You see if you can control yourself because there's a weight in the presence of her father. There's a weight in those things. And the scripture says that the very core of our worship in the Hebrew is the kavod of God, that the very glory of God that would manifest itself in the presence of them in the temple and in the tabernacle and in those places, that the glory of God would fall, the manifest presence of God would fall. And it was a weighty thing. And in the, in the lives of followers of Jesus Christ, when we recognize that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit and that the glory of God is demonstrated and manifested in our lives. And when we see him for who he is, there is a weight of our father that is in our lives that allows us to control and to walk in that because we have the spirit of God. Not only does he give us his presence, but he gives us his power in the spirit of God that we can walk in newness of life. It is his body. It is our choice though with what we will do. We got to understand that these are his feet. And so the places that I go, he's going with me. The places that I go, they can honor him. The places that I'm aware, those things, these feet. And it says in the scriptures, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news, right? And that's who we are to be as followers of Jesus Christ. These are his lips. These are his lips. And so the things that come out of them are only for the edification and the good of the body. I need to lay aside all filth and corrupt and all the mess that's coming out because we think it's no big deal. But I want you to understand that we're to be a holy place where the Spirit of God dwells and the Spirit of God is expelled in the midst of our life. Our ears, the things that we take in. Some of us say, you know what, it's just music and it's just TV and it doesn't matter. I want you to understand that if Jesus was sitting there with you, you wouldn't turn them on. If Jesus was watching your TV, what would he think of your house? Then what I want you to understand is that every place you are, he is. And, and the reason that we've lost the power of the Spirit of God in the midst of the people of God is because we're believing the lies of this world and the sin that has gotten in our life has short-circuited the power of God. And it's time that God's people fall on their face before a holy God and say, Lord, I'm ashamed of some of the places that I've taken you. I'm ashamed of the things that I'm putting in. But I want you to know something. Maybe you come in this morning and maybe your weight is feeling heavy right now because there is shame in the things that you've done. Maybe in the things of the past. Maybe even where you're at. Listen, if you are, are, are here this morning and maybe the weight of sexual sin is weighing you down and you're in this message and you're saying, man, I've blown it and I've messed up and I've gone too far. I want you to look back at verse 9 through 11. I want you just to read these words. And the scripture says this, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Man, if it stopped right there, it's bad news for everybody. He says, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, or thieves, or covetous, or drunkards, nor revilers, or swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And as I was reading this passage this week, and I was praying about today, and the reason that that song, when we, when we sung, it says, crushed under the weight of my failures. The, the reality is that I make that list in multiple places. The reality is that some of you may still be in those places. And the scripture is very plain. He says those people will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then he says in verse 11, I want to tell you there's gospel hope in this place for all of us. He said such were some of you. 
Now you are washed. You were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the spirit of our God. That is our Savior, right? Undeserving and deserving of death, deserving of nothing but in his mercy and in his grace. And in light of that, I've been bought with a price. It's his body, but it's our choice. Maybe you're here this morning and you're still stuck in that sin. Maybe you've never been born again into the family of God and you feel like you've gone too far. There was a lady that we read about in John 8 who was caught in the very act of adultery and naked and ashamed. She was brought before Jesus. Can you imagine that moment? He says, you know, the law says that we should stone her. What do you say? I'm so grateful for a God who looked in my life and would have said the law deserves death. He deserves to be, he deserves punishment. He deserves death. He said, what do you say? And then Jesus, and they've got their stones in hand. Sometimes that's how the church looks. He says, let him who is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And one by one, those stones fall to the ground. And he is left with this woman that had been brought before him, caught in sexual immorality, a mess. And he looks at her. He says, woman, where are your accusers? She looks around. And she looks face to face with Jesus. He says, neither do I condemn you either. Now go and leave your life of sin. And that is the beauty of the gospel, right? Jesus was taking all of her sin and all of our sin, past, present, and future. And it was being nailed to a cross. And when we looked to him, Jesus said, oh, if I am lifted up, he said, I will draw all men into myself. When we looked to him on that cross and we recognized that I deserve death and that I deserve payment. But I've been purchased with a price. I've been redeemed. I've been set free. Amen. If we'll look to that cross and say, Jesus, when Jesus died on that cross, it counted for me. I deserve that. The Bible says that we can be born again. That he'll make us new. That our sin will be separated as far as the east is from the west. It'll be buried in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered. Boy, ain't it great to know that I make a list of people that won't inherit the kingdom of God. But I've been washed, and I've been sanctified, and I've been justified, not of any of my own doing, but through the blood of Jesus Christ. And therefore, may we glorify God in our bodies, for they are not our own.